Wow. Wow. Come on, somebody. Wow. Like, like there's some, some noisy compasses here. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. You need to make sure nobody is, you know, in gatherings, Paul had gatherings in the New Testament, and there's a danger to gatherings. Sometimes somebody can be so slain that they just fall over and die. So you need to be watching your neighbors and making sure nobody's getting slain. Because it may not be the Holy Spirit, it may be another one. <laughs> so, so just uh, once in a while, just say, Amen, and shock everybody awake. Huh? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just wake up somebody around you. Let them know you're alive. Put some juice into them. Yep. Well, today we are celebrating family. And in, in this next session, what I want to do is talk about something extremely important to anybody who wants to be in ministry. You know, it's interesting because back in the day, I think people had a dichotomy where they said, I'm now saved and I can serve God, but there are people who are in ministry. Ask your neighbor, are you in the ministry? <laughs> and the picture you'd have is guys in suits and some collars and some carrying some heavy Bibles. Those are the ones in the ministry. But you know what? The ministry is for you. It's for every single one of us. What a shock. Yeah, what a shock. <laughs> yeah, look at your neighbor. Do they look like they're in the ministry? Yeah, yeah, they're in the ministry. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, so, yeah, you're in the ministry. And it's important for you to know how ministry works. Because there are some things that you might take for granted and then you find they don't work for people who are in the ministry. So I want to talk about that. Because, you know, it's interesting. How do I live a balanced life? How do I serve God and not burn out? In this season, as we're beginning to re-envision re who we are called to be as Christians, and to re-envision how the fact that every one of us is in ministry, every one of us, you know, back in the day, it would have been such a strange thing to tell somebody that they're going to be a church, that they're a church planter. You know, Martin, Martin Gushu, you see what I'm talking about, come on. Yeah. You see, you see people sitting down and they, they look at, they just feel like they're a congregation member. But when you tell them they're a church planter, they almost want to die. It's like, who's a church planter? But you know, now we're saying everybody in this room is a church planter. Church planters everywhere. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're there next to you. Serious ones. Demon chasing, church planters. Water walking, powerful. Devil busting, come on. <laughs> Fish multiplying. <laughs> so, so every one of us, this is who God is calling us to be. We're in the ministry. So how do we avoid being destroyed by the ministry? How do we avoid burning out in the ministry? You know, a year ago, you were just an ordinary person. You could sleep till whatever time you wanted. <laughs> but now, you don't sleep till whatever time you want. You're, you're awake by 4.30. Somebody said, we're supposed to wake up at 4.30. I said, Aye. which campus is that? 4.30 is when you're supposed to be in the meeting, not waking up. No wonder, no wonder some of your, the meetings, you see the numbers starting to increase at about 4.50. They're the ones who woke up at 4.30. <laughs> we're not waking up at 4.30. We're in the meeting by 4. So, so now you're no, longer just, you're no longer just there. You're awake. Then your video has to be on. Which means your face has to be at least. At least. You know, it's an African thing to say at least. For the ones in Germany, I don't know if you understand this. 
But in, in uh, maybe it's a Kenyan thing. Your face has to be at least. <laughs> That's already a whole sentence. <laughs> so, so how do you get up? You have to get up early enough to make sure your face is on, your, your video is on, your mic, all those things, which means you're awake. And then the problem is your campus pastor even says, if your DG members are not here, call them. So someone is even calling you at that time. And so it's, it's like, how do you, I mean, your life has changed. You're waking up early. Then there's an expectation that there's a family night attendance. And on Wednesday, you're not just doing anything. The guys are like, like call your DG members. They're not in family night. We have to be there. We're receiving impartation. That's going on at the same time. And then there's an expectation you're attending the gathering. Like who attends church from 8 o'clock till whatever time? <laughs> on, on a Saturday. <laughs> on a Saturday. And you know, it's so funny because let me just give you, let me tell you guys a secret. I've never ever given the end time for the gathering. Whenever my pastors ask me what time will the gathering end, I'm just like, whenever the Holy Spirit says. Wow. So they always write four because they don't want to freak you out. Yeah. In fact, I think, was it, was it uh, Pastor Mishu uh, in Burundi? He didn't tell guys. He just told guys, Pastor M will be here. We'll start at, at eight, but don't worry. Uh, I'll tell you the time will end. Then on the morning of, he just put in the WhatsApp group, eight to five, and then he shut the group, and he came. Because <laughs> he knew that he was waiting for some guys to beat him. Like, what do you mean? Like a whole day Saturday, who does that? That's so incredible. And so they came, and they were looking very unamused. You know, how do you come and just expect us to spend a whole day? And then those are the ones who have not even gone to a four-day gathering. Some of you guys just are going to gatherings. You don't even know that there are other things called four-day gatherings. Uh, and there's one coming up in February, by the way. Yeah. Where we come four days and we just spend every day, Wednesday to Saturday, every day. From 6 a.m., by the way. And we're here the whole time. And it's like, okay, yes, 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 it's exciting. We've seen miracles. God does powerful things. But that's another thing that wasn't in your life that has been added to your life. And that's just going on. Now you're leading a DG. Or you're, you're, you're expected to start leading one eventually. And that was not in the plan. That was not what you had signed up for when you joined it. I mean, and it's all happening one after the other. And nothing has changed. You're still married. Come on. You still have children. Come on. You still have a demanding career. Yep. You still have school. Uh, you're still supposed to do your homework. <laughs> wow. None of these things has changed. And yet there's all this other expectation how do you avoid running out? How do you avoid being that person who's always exhausted? How do you end up still having a good marriage if you're married? Still having children who are available, I mean, you're being available to your kids if you still have that. How do you avoid having children who resent ministry? Like so many people you've heard about, that they were in ministry but their kids hated church because their parents were never there for them. They gave everything to them. How do you avoid being those people? Or as many have asked, how can you ensure you live a balanced life? Now, what I'm going to be talking about today, I've talked about a bit at family night, but I'm going to be expounding a bit more because I think this is critical for us as God is calling us to be a people on, in ministry, as, as he's calling all of us to be in the ministry. I don't believe that God wants us to get to the end of our lives completely exhausted. That's not his plan. Uh, Jesus, at the end of his life, he said, it is finished. Some of us, if we're not careful, we'll get to the end of our lives and say, I am finished. Wow. <laughs> and that was never God's intention for you. That's not his plan for you. 
He wants us to live a life that is abundant. I believe Jesus wants us to enjoy ministry. Yeah, he does. Like, it, it really does need to be a joyful space. Even when we go through challenges, he wants us to enjoy ministry because we're in his presence. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. And I don't believe your children hating God because of your ministry is fullness of joy. I don't think that's a package. That's not the portion for any one of us in Jesus' name. Your children shall love God. Your children shall love ministry. Your children will love to serve. Yeah, they will. They will. Um, so, so I've got this T-shirt, and it might look a bit conceited because it says Team Moravia at the back. <laughs> but it's because my kids wanted us to wear the same clothes today. I need to say this. My kids are not children. They're adults. Anybody here who has teenage children and adults understands. You know, you guys are like, hey. No. They understand. That for your teenagers to say, we want to dress like you, is not. It is not. <laughs> it is not a common thing. That, and yet God wants our children to love us and to love our ministry and to want to be like us. So how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we serve in a way that is healthy, that is a blessing? How do we serve in a way that our kids love to serve? By the way, I love the fact that we have something for the kids, Pastor Mike. But you know, even as you address, if you had asked me, I'd have told you, no, leave the kids in here. We've taught our kids to be entertained. That's what we've taught them. We've taught them, this is too much work for you. You know, I'll never forget, Pastor Kara and I went to a, a, a funeral once, and we sat next to a pastor who gave us an incredible story. She grew up as a Muslim. Uh, she got saved, converted in a very crazy experience. Uh, she just had a, a longing for Jesus. Like, she didn't know. She just felt, I want to know. Actually, it was for God. She was just like, I want to know God. And in her faith, it's not something you, you do. You don't become friends with God. It's not a thing. But she, in her heart, she was like, but I love, like, I love God. I want to have a relationship. And so one day, she just got drawn into a church. And she walked into this church, and she just said, I want to just pray to God. And it's like God just took her to that church, and she just found herself inside. There was nobody. So she started praying, and the next thing she knew, she fell asleep. And then she didn't know, but everybody walked in. It was just before church time. So people walked into the Pente church. And then the first she had is when the drama went, do, 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 do. And she woke up, and everybody was around, and people were already raising their hands in worship. And she was like, oh, my God, I've been found. So she tried to stand up to go, and then she just went, boom, like the Holy Spirit just knocked her. And she sat down on the seat, and she couldn't move. And she was there the whole service. And the pastor called for people to give their lives to Christ, and she just found herself pushed to the front, and she gave her life to Jesus. Anyway, it's a dramatic story. But the, the part I want to get to is, when she got home, I mean, lots of persecution, she got kicked out by her husband eventually uh, with her two sons um, because she, was now, she had now taught them to know Jesus and love Jesus. So they were kicked out with nothing. Now, what she says is, because she was a single mom, and she, the pastor had taken her in, they'd given her a place for helping her to sort of adjust. She says, I didn't know what to do with my kids. I had to teach them about this Jesus who they had accepted. Because when the dad told them, you either, you either, I'm kicking you out, either you remain in my faith or you go with your mother. They said, we'll go with mom. And he was a wealthy man. So they walked into destitution because of Jesus. So she didn't know what to do. So she said, I'm just going to do what I know. So she got a Bible, the Bible she had been given, and she got them to start memorizing it. That's what Muslims do. And then she says, she just, she just called, I think they were like, what age, five, three? 
She says she'd ask, so what is the memory verse of the day? The memory scripture of the day? When you, mis- when you make a mistake, she gets her chopper stick. Pop! Read it nicely. <laughs> she was like, that's what I was taught. That's what they do in the mosque. They chopper them. And so the kids were chappered, they memorized scripture. Seriously. Like, stand here, read. Those kids went, came to church with her, they sat down, they would come and tell her what the pastor said as she's holding her stick. Then she's like, good job, well done. I mean, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> what she told us is, both her sons, are, they know the scripture like this. They both are pastors. They love Jesus. And they are serving God. She's so proud of who they've become. They are both men after God's heart. And they are preaching the gospel like a nonsense. She was like, invite me and them to Mavuna. I would love to share our testimony. And what did I learn from that? She says, I didn't know to teach my kids Father Abraham little songs. I just need to teach them the word of God. You see, as Christians, we've been taught to give our children baby stuff. And so they remain babies all their life. And they come to church and they're still babies. They want to be fed with baby Jesus. <laughs> and you're a 20-year believer and all you want to do is just be fed by baby Jesus. It's just now that it's T.G. Jakes who's preaching you and giving you a good sermon. But it's still, you still want to be fed because that's all you've been taught to do. And what she taught me is, no, your kids can do much more. And that's what she was telling us. It's like, I, I wish, I, I, I think I did some things wrong, but what my kids taught me is that kids can learn a lot more than we Christians think they can. So, so yeah, so I, I want to see children laying hands on people and the people getting healed. I want to see, I want to see demons being cast out by our children. Yeah. I mean, we've already started seeing it. Anybody who was in family night when Pastor Milton was sharing that this happened in Mashariki, it's happening, guys. So, so yeah, so I, I want to see our family serving. So how do we avoid being a joyless family where it's only ministry and guys can't? So what do we do? And, you know, I want to talk about that today because there are three ways to align your life and your family. And, and family, uh, sorry, and your ministry. And when I say your, your life, I'm talking about your family, I'm talking about your career, I'm talking about your pursuits, your hobbies, I'm talking about all these things that make up your life, and then your ministry, which is your calling to serve Jesus uh, as, as an individual, as a, as, a cup, as a single person, as a couple. Uh, how do you serve Jesus and still have all these things happening? How do you do this? So there are three ways that people have traditionally tried to do this. The first is what I call family or mission. And actually, it's not me who calls them. This is something borrowed from a man called Mike Breen. Um, and he talks about the fact that for some people, what they've done, they've drawn a clear boundary line between ministry and life, between family and mission. And these two things are seen as opposed to each other. They are competitors. So that when you give to one, you're of necessity stealing from the other. And when people have that perspective, it's usually because they grew up resentful of what they saw in their homes. They saw their parents serving God at the neglect of their families. Some people I know, even their parents even gave money to poor people and left their children with nothing. And they felt they were serving God, but they left children who resented ministry. Some of you are pastor's kids like me. Any pastor's kids in the house? Let me just see show of hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite a few pastor's kids. Some of you, your parents may not have been pastors, but they served in ministry. And so as a result, you found yourself in that place where, man, I just need, I can't let ministry steal the joy of my children. I can't let ministry steal the joy of my, my marriage or my life. And what happens for many kids, they become alienated, they become bitter, they become angry. 
And you know, it's interesting because what you find in church is such a happy thing compared to what is at home. And many of those children would complain. They'd say at, home, at church it was all happy, lovey, dovey. And then when you come to the house, it's like people don't even talk to each other. It's like people are always exhausted. People are always angry at each other. And those kids just grow up with a resentment and a desire that that would never happen for, to them. Often a person who takes this approach will constantly want to protect themselves and their family from the negative effects of ministry. And what they have observed is that either you choose family or you choose mission, but not both. You have to sacrifice one to help the other one survive. So some people have chosen, they're going to do, I'm going to do God's work because, man, it's about God, man. We're Christians. God, I owe my life to God. I need to be a good Christian. And so it's like, my wife, you need to just understand. <laughs> Let me just tell you, ministry is a terrible, is a terrible, a terrible mistress. Terrible mistress. If I come and tell Pastor Carol, I can't be with you. You know I'm serving Jesus. Ish. That's heavy. Because what am I saying? Is like if you question that, you're not a good Christian. Yeah, if you're a real Christian, you'd understand we need to all be we need to serve Jesus. So ministry can be a terrible mistress. And many people, that's what they do, is that they put that boundary and they either say, I'm going to serve ministry, and my family had better understand. Or on the other extreme are those ones who say, you know what, while my kids are young, I can't really serve in ministry. Uh, while my marriage is forming, I can't really serve in ministry because I don't want resentment in this way. And so they say, you know, it's my season of life, I don't serve. I don't want to end up with that kind of family. I want to have a life. I want to be able to do sports. I want to be able to follow, focus my, to do my education. I want to be able to do the things that count. And so because of, in this season I can't do those things, I can't do a hobby and still do ministry, then I choose one over the other. Now, let me just say this. That's, it's, it's not a good model. It's a terrible model. Family or mission, it doesn't work. It's a destructive dichotomy, and it robs us of God's abundant life. Abundant life. Because every one of us was created for family and for ministry. Like all of us were meant to enjoy our ministry and all of us were meant to enjoy our family and our life. Like Jesus didn't come to that we might have an abundant ministry to the full. <laughs> he came that we might have life, all of life, and ministry part of that. So when we are forced to choose between the two, this actually cuts, it divides, and it's not a healthy thing. And actually you'll find yourself repeating the same mistakes. Whenever you are reacting, I don't know if you ever know this, my wife is a psychologist, she'll tell you, if you grow up a reactionary life, then you'll actually end up repeating the things you run away from. Children who run away from an alcoholic uh, family saying, I will never drink again. Nobody around me will ever drink. You might succeed, but your children probably won't. Some of these always strongholds come. I will never, my wife, my father beat my, my wife, I'll never act that way. <laughs> that prohibition will actually, it might keep you faithful to your spouse and not being abusive, but you will see it in the next generation. There are other ways to deal with it, and, and you have to deal with it at the root. And so family or ministry, it's, it's destructive. It doesn't help. And you might manage to keep your ministry together, but guess what? You're going to keep your kids, you're, you're, going, to, you're going to have a family that doesn't like ministry because you've taught them that ministry is a robber. And guess what? You're going to have a family that never lives the abundant life that God created them for. That's not what you want. So some people have seen this, and they've done a different model, which is called family and mission. Family and mission. Mission. This is, it's an improvement. 
or family or mission. People who choose to do this, they recognize it's important to both have a healthy family and to have a healthy marriage or and to have a healthy career and to have a healthy uh, hobby and looking after your body, exercising. It's both. It's not either or. They get that and it's important for them. And so instead of choosing between them, what they do is work towards balance. They're looking for balance. They want to allocate enough time to make sure that none is stealing from the other. Putting in, it's, it's almost like I have to make sure that I've got time for ministry, I schedule time for my family, I schedule time for my exercise, I, and I make sure that I'm doing all of these things. They practice what is called in, in, in common language a balanced life, doing their best to ensure they allocate enough resources to every important area of their time. And this is commendable. It's definitely an improvement from family or mission. And I want to say this, I think my own parents lived this way. Uh, my dad was a church planter. He, wasn't, he was an associate, really. He wasn't the pastor of the church, although eventually after he, re he retired from his career in the civil service, he actually went into ministry and became a pastor. Uh, but he actually worked for the government. But he was one of those guys who was in church, like opening the church. Uh, he, was, he, was, he was like the pastor's right-hand man. I mean, he served in that church. But they really kept the boundaries well. And I don't ever remember feeling... Hey, this ministry is taking away my parents from me. They managed to be to give the time that they needed to give us and to give the time that they needed to give to ministry. They did family and mission. And as a result, none of their children ended up presenting ministry or the church. In fact, my brother, my only brother is right here. He's one of our pastors in Mavuno Church. Come on, brother. That's my brother right there. <laughs> That's my younger brother. And he's about to plant a church. So good. So good. He's a pilot, by the way. Yeah, yeah. To be a fly and, church. Uh, to be a fly church. <laughs> so good, Pastor Kilomzi. That is so good. The fly church. <laughs> so, so we didn't end up presenting church. We're still in church. We thank God for that. And that's because my parents kept the boundaries. Now, it's definitely an improvement on family or mission. However, it still has its limitations. I'll tell you what it is. The biggest one is that it creates very separate worlds. Family and mission become two very separate worlds. It insulates the different parts of your life that are important from each other when you create those boundaries. For example, my parents, they've lived an incredibly amazing life of ministry. I think it's only even now recently that I've come to understand just how deep their impact has been. I mean, they have spiritual children <laughs> from across this nation. Um, my wife and I, we like to visit, and, and it's interesting because I'm sure my brother will testify. Whenever we have a party for them, or we're trying to have breakfast, that we have that competition of saying, is there anyone else coming? <laughs> because there are so many people who love to visit them. Uh, they have impacted marriage groups. Like sometimes you just find a whole matatu has been hired by couples. Uh, from Gidurai, from the church, that one of the churches they pastored. And they've all come with their children for him to bless. And he's retired, by the way. Uh, but he's just impacted people so greatly, him, him and mom. It's a beautiful thing. But here's the thing. I didn't learn ministry from my parents. I'm not in ministry because of my parents. In fact, if I didn't meet Pastor Oscar of, of Nairobi Chapel, my spiritual father, I would not be in ministry today. Which is crazy because I've come from such a strong ministry heritage. You'd assume that that's where I gained my passion for God and ministry. I didn't. I loved God, and they taught us to do that. But because of keeping us insulated away from their ministry, we never got a love for serving God. 
It wasn't something that was passed on to us. They talked about it, but we didn't get a chance to actually do it with them. They were part of the great East African revival. I never got the excitement for revival, for, for seeing God heal people. I never got, I mean, I hear their stories and I love their stories, but it was, that's their thing. And the crazy thing is most of their friends, it's the same thing. Most of them used to, in fact, even till today, they still go for what they call fellowship. Any Tukutenderas are children in the house? Yeah, yeah, we're here. Two court, did you want? I can see. We're here. Most of us have never gone to those. Me, I've never gone for fellowship, by the way. But it was a thing they did after church on Sunday. And you know what? Because of the boundary, what they did, because they didn't want us to resent church, they took us home, made sure we were sorted, then they went for fellowship. So all the beautiful things God was doing in their generation, never passed on to my generation, they kept a boundary. That's a danger. When you put your children in a different space to protect, I mean, to, to make sure that they're okay, as you're keeping the balance. The separation of your worlds ensures that you don't disciple your children into loving and serving God the same way you do. And that's robbing them. You don't want to rob your children of that. You want your children to increasingly love God. In fact, your prayer for your children is you will love God and serve God more than me. That's a successful parent. If your children can love God and serve God, and you know, here's the thing, I, I shared this uh, in Kigali. We had a friend, I, I don't know if I've shared this in Mavuna, we had a friend, have I shared about our friend called Rick? in one of our gatherings, the guy who was a sixth generation minister and how easy his life was. Like the power of six generations of loving and serving God. Like there's just a, a freedom and a power and authority that comes. Why would I want my children to be weaker Christians than me? Why would I want that? Why would I want to be Pastor M who has changed nations and then my children are just mediocre people? Just church-warming, bench-warming Christians. That is not God's purpose for them. I'm robbing them. And so that's the danger of family and mission. Because it may keep your kids not hating God and at least being able to enjoy, you know, they're, they're like they're Christians, but they may never become greater than you. And that's a danger that I don't believe you want. It takes an enormous amount of energy also to keep all those things separate. And you know what? People who do family and mission, it's very easy for you to burn out. Because you're trying to rush from one to the other. It's like we have the gathering, and then what time does the gathering end? Because I haven't seen my kids this week, so I need to make sure that after this, I go and spend time with them, and we hang out. And then my husband, oh my God, we need to catch up. So after we put the kids to bed, we're going to go out on a date, and then we're going, boy, by the time you're on that date, you just be looking at each other and snoring. And then it's 4.30. And then it's 4.30. Oh God. <laughs> That's how burnout comes. And you find yourself resenting ministry. Yeah. When you start burning out, you find yourself resenting it because it's like I'm serving God, but I'm dying. I'm dying. My joy has gone. I'm becoming a servant, a slave, no longer a son. And that's the danger of family and mission. And so it leaves us with one other option. And this is the option I want to commend to you. And this is family on mission. If family and mission is about boundaries, family on mission is about focus. It's about focus. Family on mission says we won't try and choose between family or mission, or we won't try and find a balance between the two. We're not going to try and live a balanced life. Instead, we're going to go for focus. We're going to determine the most important thing in our lives. And as a believer, the most important thing in your life is what? I've been crucified in Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. He's the most important thing to me. That's the most, I, I want to suggest it to you as a Christian. That's the most important thing to you. 
I was going to ask you a question, then I thought, no, let me just tell you. <laughs> you know, when I'm doing weddings, sometimes I say, will you take so-and-so to be your husband? Ne, 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 to love and to cherish. To, uh, then I say, the correct answer is, I will. I mean, if you brought me here, we can't be having discussions what the correct answer is. <laughs> you need to know the correct answer. So I tell you the answer. So I'm telling you the answer. What's the most important thing in your life? Jesus. Yeah, let's not debate. You're a Christian. You've given your life to Jesus. There's no other choice. This is the most important thing. So how do you, how do you then, once you, once you determine the most important thing, then family on mission, what it does is then say, how do I focus everything else in my life towards achieving the most important thing to me? So that I see everything that I have in my life as a gift that God has given me to help me achieve the one thing which is serving Jesus. So whether it's my studies, whether it's my family, whether it is my marriage, whether it is my recreation and my, and my hobbies, whether it is my exercise, all those things focus and help me become a better servant of Jesus. Now let me tell you how that works and why that's such a good thing. You see, for example, you're in that hectic stage of life where you have young kids and your house never looks good for long. <laughs> Some of you are in that stage. You know things are always falling. You're, it's, it's, you don't want guys in your house. You're like, you want to meet a leader, DG? First of all, where will I get time? I'm feeding those kids. I'm washing them. I'm changing their diapers. And then after that, my house, who's going to even clean the house for that DG to come? And then who's going to cook for them? It's a mess. So that's a stage of life where you're like, it's too much. I can't do it. I have to choose family or mission. I can't do both. But here's what I'd like to commend to you, maybe as an example. What if you invite your DG into your space, the people, your spiritual children? And rather than just saying, come, and then come and find a perfect place, let them know, you're coming to my house to help me figure out. We're going to sort out, we're going to prepare for DG together. And when you come, there's somebody there, you're like, uh, baby number two needs a diaper change. Uh, can you be helping me with that? Well, well, number two, come and help me in the kitchen. Let's do this. And guess what happens? When you get, as a, if you're a young couple, and you've got some single people in your group, you know what you're doing? You're teaching them parenting without teaching them. Yeah. They watch how you're doing, how you're looking after your kids. That's how they learn how people look after kids. And they also get a chance to serve you, which is a beautiful thing for a Christian to do, to serve their leader. So they get a chance to do that. And then guess what? A group of them come and they start cooking in your kitchen. Guess what they're doing? They're interacting with each other. Instead of now planning a plot, until let's plan a plot so we can get to know each other. So we just cook. We'll get to know each other nicely here. Isn't it? And they're hanging out. And somebody else is helping you clean the kitchen as they're doing that. And guess what's happening as they're doing that? They're spending time with you. They're hanging out with you. And you know what? You're passing on to them what they've also... You know, they're going to learn so much more than if you do a lecture and say, here is how you love your husband. Because they're going to see you loving your husband in that situation. All the young ladies in your group are just benefiting from watching you do this. Am I talking to somebody here? Now, what is happening is my whole family is on mission. In other words, everything about me, including my kitchen, is discipling people. <laughs> and guess what happens? People actually have a lot. Of, this is how we were discipled, by the way. Pastor Oscar brought us into his house with his wife, B, and they had their young kids, and we changed their diapers. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Crazy thing is we changed their diapers, we looked after them, we babysat when the parents were tired and they needed to go on a date. Guess who babysat? So we're here, we're, single, we're young. I think we're even dating at the time. No, we are married. We're, we're, we're married. Oh, we're not even dating. Hey, okay, so. <laughs> so we're not even dating. But the kitchen brought us together. Are you even seeing how powerful that is? 
love brewed in an African kitchen. Yeah. This is how you disciple. Now, those children, guess what happened? When those children were getting married, guess who was called to be the pastor? Yeah, the one who was there, disciple. So guess what's happening? As they're looking after us and discipling us, what are we doing? We are mentoring their kids. So they're benefiting from that. And guess what? Those kids became models and role models for our own kids. Oh my gosh, are you seeing how powerful this family thing is? So right now my kids are in a stage where they are, they're just finishing college or starting college. They have older sisters who are married now. And guess who's going to talk to them? Who's going to give them the talk when it's time to get married? They've got, us, they've got sisters. They can ask to people who recently got married, what is it like? And we've got those people around us. And let me tell you this. Our kids have always been blessed because we've always had spiritual children around us. And those ended up being their cool uncles and aunties. Yeah. Pastor Osai, Pastor Mike's wife, is like, she's such a cool auntie to my kids. I mean, she, she tells them the truth. And there's a way that she can talk that we can't talk. <laughs> yeah, and she's done that. Pastor Dorcas is here. Pastor Dorcas is like, she's their auntie. She's always been a blessing. I mean, hi, and Pastor James. Pastor Milton. I mean, he talks to my son like, you know, like, tells him things which I can't say. My son is around, by the way, and it's true. I can say this in his presence. He knows that. The conversations he's had with Pastor Mills, he hasn't had with me. But you know why? It's because when they were younger, I, these are my sons. I've, I've, I've brought them up. But as they brought, I brought them up, I had young children. And they built deep relationships with my young children. Are you seeing how much of a blessing it is for me that my kids are not isolated? They have so many people who care for them. One of my daughters is about to do discovery in Pastor Kilonzi's church. Come on, somebody. By the way, let me just say this. I pray all your children do discovery. It's like I pray it for all kids. It changes your life. When you do a year of leadership development in the church, it changed my life. It changed Pastor Carol's life. It's changed these pastors that you're seeing in front. It changed our lives completely. And it gets you to think differently. By the way, once you've done discovery, you'll never be, you'll never be stuck in the rat race. You think differently about money, you think differently about ministry. And I'd love every child to do it when they finish college. And I'm so privileged that I'm not the one who's calling, telling my child, I think you should do this. There's somebody who I'm discipling, who's my son, who's now calling those guys in. This is family on mission. You share your broke, you call people into the space you're in. You share your life with them, and guess what happens? They bless you as you bless them. And you stop trying to make your life be perfect for people. Uh, if all you have in your house is peanuts, groundnuts, that's what they come and eat. Yeah. We are busy right now. We are broke. We don't have other food. By the way, come and eat what we are eating. You don't try and make it different. And guess what happens? People enter into that space and they learn to enjoy it as it is. You share what you have. You don't share what you don't have. Which means any one of us can become a disciple maker. You just call people in your college room. It's, a small, it's, a, it's just a cramped college room or your SQ, that's where you invite your disciples into. That's where they hang out. And guess what? You're a step ahead. You can share what you have. So this is what family on mission looks like. Instead of leaving them at home when you're going to serve, bring them with you. Let them see. How do you think Sean became Pastor Sean? It's because of watching his father. I love how he said, I, I prayed for them the way we, we pray for them when you're there. Guess what's been happening? He's been watching his father pray for those kids. Because before when the church started, it said, Daddy, okay, Daddy, pray for my people. Now it's like, now I can pray for them. Come on, somebody. How old is Pastor Sean again? Like I'm always shocked. Eight years old. 
And he says, I have my church. Wow. That's phenomenal. You know what? He's a fearless influencer. He's not even gone to high school yet. And he already knows how to shepherd and shape and influence people. He's a leader. And that's what we want for our children. So seeing, you know what? It's interesting because they get to see you loving God. They get to see you peeling. Uh, uh, there are people, by the way, who bring, like, like, like you guys, like I was saying, I've seen children. In some of our gatherings, we had kids there the whole day. Marion, it's cool. This guy had his, disciple, his, his kids there the whole day. They didn't die. <laughs> Primary school kids, they sat through this whole thing the whole day, and they didn't die. And the next week, he commissioned them as DG leaders. Wow. Because they were like, so we've been prayed for by Pastor M, let's become DG. <laughs> so he commissioned them and he sent them out to lead DGs. And you know what? It's just your kids understanding. You know, this thing of, of separation happened very recently. Back in the day, if your father was a farmer, he went to the farm and dug, and all the kids started very young. As soon as they could walk, they were there, they were there he'd, take, he'd tell them, pick these rocks. And they'd be the ones, you know, you worked with your kids, and you, they entered your world. They entered your world. It's only today that parents have been taught to enter their kids' world. If a parent from the 50s, 40s, could see parents of today, they would, they would die in shock. What a shock. Because we buy toys, and then we're the ones on the floor playing with the toys. And we've been taught that's good parenting. We've taught kids that, ad that adults should come down to their world as opposed to teaching them that they should come up into our world. So we're not teaching them to be adults. We're teaching them to be children. And that's why you have 40-year-olds not wanting to leave their parents' houses. Because they've been taught to be children all their lives. Yeah? So how do we begin to pass on? Let, let our children love God like we do. Let them come for worship night. Bring your kids to worship night. I know it's not a thing that it's... It's not a thing that people are taught to do, but you know what? Imagine, I mean, I love seeing Wandia's little girl and Sean and, 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 and Kinanyamo's kids, because downtown, by the way, they get this. These pastors get this. You come to downtown, you'll see their kids raising holy hands. They know how to do it. I think they knew how to raise holy hands before they knew what that was. They just knew guys in church raise their hands. <laughs> and then one day, it probably clicks them, we're worshiping Jesus. But you know what? They probably will never remember when they started worshiping Jesus. It was just brought up in them. So including your family in everything. You know what we do is like, for me, I love hanging out with my wife. So what we do is we do ministry together. We, we serve people together. Uh, from a very young age as a couple, we would do couple enrichment things together. Um, and we just call couples and would teach them and bless them. And you know what? We are not married long. We've only been married three years, four years. But if you've not been married for long, you've only been married one year, we're three years ahead of you. Come on, we can teach you something. So we just started, you know, passing on to others. And guess what? It changed our marriage. Better than just going to a restaurant and sitting down and looking at each other vacantly in the eyes. I mean, that's not a bad thing, by the way. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. Don't, I'm not knocking sitting down in a restaurant, by the way. It's a good thing. Take your wife to a restaurant, guys. Take your wife to a restaurant. Don't say Pastor M said. No, 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 no. I still take her to the restaurant. <laughs> but when we go to the restaurant, we have something to talk about. Yes. Yeah. We've done ministry. We've served. We're like, my goodness, that couple was, they blessed us. They are younger than us, but there's something they're doing that we need to be doing in our marriage. It's like serving God together that just lifted our marriage. So instead of saying, when do we have marriage time? And then when do we have, it's like, we, we just, it's, it's combined. Her passion and my passion are the same. And we both love Jesus and we both love seeing people change. And that gives us a rush. And the best thing is now going after a gathering and sitting in the house and saying, hey, how was that for you? 
what a shock. Like you both enjoy the same thing. And you know what happens then? Even when we exercise, we both have the same motive. We're like, we're going to be 90 years old and we're going to be preaching in this church. Yeah, we're going to be 90 and we're going to be preaching and traveling the world. So we cannot get unfit. Are you seeing how my life is aligning? Yeah. So when we go to Rwanda, we carry our skipping rope. And we're in the morning, we're out there before we go preaching. We're doing it. Why? Because we're holding each other accountable. Because I don't want to be there uh, with a fit wife and I'm the kagaya who she's... People are asking, is that your father? Where? How? <laughs> How? No. I refuse. I refuse. We're going to look young together. I know she looks good, but I also want to look good so I can match up. Yeah. Yeah. So are you, are you beginning to understand? Like, we've had so much fun. We've traveled the world and done ministry together. And I, I love nothing more than hanging out with my wife. I think I've grown to the age now where I actually have a choice when I'm invited. You'll also get there. Uh, and nowadays, when they invite me to preach, I'm like, can my wife come? No. Okay. I'll get back to you. If you want me there, pay for my wife's ticket as well. Why? Because, yeah, I want to hang out with her. I enjoy being with her. Yeah? We serve together. We serve together. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a beautiful thing. It's a lovely thing. In Kigali, we preached together. I mean, we preached the same messages. We preached the whole day. Maybe we should do a gathering like that, babe. Yeah. We actually did the whole day. Actually, we're going to do one in, in March. Uh, we have, we have, we've got the lovers gathering. It's, we'll, we'll talk a bit about that. It's, it's going to come in March. I told, I told you next year, next year, next year. Let's leave next year from here. But, but, but you know, we sat there. We stood there in the church. And we just spoke. And I remember at the end, when the guys took us out for dinner, they were like, how did you learn to do that? Like, how is it that you guys can preach the same message? In fact, the guy was like, and not kill each other on stage. These are guys, guys who've been married long enough, they know what that means. It's like you had a whole, you taught us the whole weekend, and you were in sync the whole time. How did you do that? We told them, yes, it's called 28 years of serving together in marriage. Yeah. We've been doing it for long. Of course, in the early days, it was hard. Don't try it at home if you, you know, it's, it's one of those things, yeah. Like, 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 you can tell when they've just started doing that and their young couple is like, she's talking and your guys look at her like, hey, when are you going to give me a time to talk? And it's like, <laughs> you start stomping on the other, let me, let me talk. And you can even start having arguments on stage. I was like, we've been there. We've done that. But you know what's happened? As we've just served God together, we've just become better at doing it. So why the separation? Why is this thing that he does this, I do this, and we have nothing in common? Let ministry be the thing that you have in common. Let it be the thing that draws you together. That's family on mission. And I, I, I want to just say, when you get this thing, it becomes a liberator. When your kids enjoy coming with you because you have so much fun about it, it's like, we're going for a gathering, kids. Uh, you have to be on best behavior if you want to come with us. By the way, when kids are young, they're like, eh. If you think it's fun, they think it's fun. You remember that age? Those of you who have kids who are young, if, you, if they see you having fun, they're like, it must be good. I, I hated that age because if I bought anything, whatever I bought, and I gave them something else, they would want the one I have. They're like, what daddy is doing is the one we want. Yeah, if it's, <laughs> except Gideri, that one they refuse to buy. <laughs> that one they're like, just eat on your own. So, so that's the age to say, okay. Best behavior this week, you come and get a chance to sit in a gathering. And you know, if they are younger and they can't pay attention, bring them some markers. Let them, let them have fun and let them sit. And then after that, 
be so excited that they brought you, take them for a meal. Buy them a burger, something they've always wanted. And just like, man, you're so big. You sat with me the whole day. Take them and celebrate them. Make them feel so good. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm daddy's helper. Like wherever daddy goes, I go. You know what you're doing? You're raising up a giant. You're raising up a giant. And that kid will enjoy. You know, because family and mission means I come and do my gathering, then I go and look for them. I sit on the carpet so I can have daddy and mommy, daddy and child time. But guess what you've just done? You've just divided from them. They haven't known your love for God. And then you're not teaching them about entering your world. You're entering their world. So guess what? They're not growing upwards. They're growing downwards. Because you're teaching them that life is about playing and being on the carpet and rolling. I'm, I've nothing against rolling on the carpet. Even I did it. <laughs> I hope somebody's not hearing me condemning. I hope you're hearing me giving a principle. There's a principle here. So how do you make those things connect? How do you make your career be the place? I'm too busy at work. I can't lead a DG. No, no, no. How about maybe at work, if you're spending that much time, and maybe it demands that way, that you start to see how does my career become where I extend Mavuno Mashariki? How does my, my career become the place where I start that DG? And maybe I start doing my evangelism at work, and I bring people to Christ. I start a fellowship at work, and I make those guys become... I, I, I use the vehicle God has given me to do God's work. That's what family on mission is. So maybe some of you travel all the time, so you're never able to be around. But guess what? I mean, I remember Fred, I think it's Fred who, told, who does this for Pastor Godwin, uh, where he's like, wherever I travel, I, tell me first of all if there's a Mavuno church, I want to go and encourage them. And then he says to the network leader, what message do you have for these guys? Then he goes and stands on behalf of Mavuno church. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Somebody's paying for his ticket to be an apostle for Mavuno. And go around the world and, and encourage our church planters. And so he's decided that's what my career is. And where there's no Mavuno church, I'm going to figure out how you guys can come and be a, be a scout to help figure that out. Uh, one, of our, one of our friends, uh, really good friends, uh, he, he, he goes to Mavuno Kiambu. And right now, uh, he, Mavuno Kiambu actually have a, a building uh, pay, paid for. Uh, Pastor Shu and Pastor Irush uh, also in Mavuno Pendo. Uh, Pastor Maish and Belinda. And you know how it happened? It's because this man is a real estate man. And he puts up these huge apartments all over the city. And in one of our conversations, he was like, we, we just were talking and saying, if he was a Muslim, what would he be doing? And it was like, you'd have a prayer room. And we're like, why aren't you doing it as a Christian? And you know what he said? Every building I put up from now on will have a church as part of this design. Wow. And so Mavuno Kiambu right now doesn't pay rent. They have a house and it's built for them, purpose built. And Mavuno uh, Pendo, which is in Kasarani, also is not paying because that's the second building is opened up and he's opening up other buildings. And he said, tell me where you, we've told him, tell us where you're going. We're going to work together and just plant churches in every building you put up. Wow. Come on, somebody. Wow. Like, like what, else is my, what, what, else is, what else is your business about? Is it about making you rich? Surely. What is riches? Riches are tools to serve God. The streets of heaven, you've heard me say this many times, are lined with gold. The things you're chasing your whole life is what you'll be walking on in heaven. It's not worth giving your life for those things. It's worth for you to actually ask, how do I turn this thing into a resource to help me have heavenly treasure? So here you are, real estate man, and what you're doing is extending God's kingdom through your career. Come on, somebody. This applies to every career in this house. You just have to ask God, show me how to bring this into alignment. Now, when he's building buildings, he's in ministry. <laughs> As he's designing structures and, and apartment blocks, he's already thinking, how can the church come into this area? So he's no longer just an architect, he's a minister of the gospel. This is how we're supposed to be, all of us. All of us. This is what God wants 
of every single one of us. And here's the thing. Discipleship doesn't best happen in a class or Bible study. It happens as you're sharing your life together. It happens as you go together. I'm so happy my kids get to be in a, in a, in a, in a gathering. I'm so happy that we do, we do life together. And this is what God wants for every one of us, that we're doing life together. Don't delegate your children to, to Mavuno Kids. Mavuno Kids is fantastic. It's one of the best children's ministries out there. I get it. But their job, yes, amen. Let's appreciate Mavuno Kids, absolutely. Any Mavuno Kids people. We love what you do. But they are our resource people. They're not the disciples for our kids. We are the disciples. Yeah, we're the ones God wants to bring up our children in the way of the Lord. And so they're there as our helpers. And so what we do is we appreciate them when we can, but then we bring our kids into our space so they see us serving. And that's what happened with Jesus. He invited disciples to follow him. They attended weddings. Do you notice that's what they did? They attended a wedding with him. Whose wedding is it? Who, who sent the, the invite? It's definitely Jesus. Jesus is the one who has the invitation. How do I know that? Because it's his mother who's called when the wine runs out. Surely, you don't call strangers when something runs out in a wedding. It's, it's the auntie. She was probably the cake auntie. Uh, and she was told, before you come for cake, there are other issues, more serious issues. And then she tells her son, kuja, kuja, do something. Why are the disciples there? Because they followed him. They came as his boys to his family's wedding. Are you understanding? So when you have a wedding, don't say, I can't go for discipleship. Tell your discipleship group members to end it. It's my family wedding. When you want to see your parents, you don't say, I, you know, if I see my parents, I can't. Tell your guys, I'm going to visit my parents. Let's go together. My DG has all met my parents, by the way. And even been blessed by my father. Yeah. In fact, my father told them they'll do greater things than him, which is a big blessing. Yeah, I was, I was so excited to see him loving them and blessing them. Uh, and they blessed him back. They actually left a blessing to my parents. Uh, that's what you want. You, you want to disciple them as you pull them in. I've taken them to meet uh, Bishop Oscar. I've invited them into that space. When I'm going to meet Bishop Oscar, I'm like, let me bring my people so they can meet him also. I want them to, to get that blessing. But you know what? I was going for my own reasons. But I want them in there as well. So you, you're integrating life. This is more about integration than about balance. Life is not about balance. It's about integration. And that's what Oscar, like I said, Pastor Oscar and B did for us. As a young couple, we served their young church. We did set up. We did errands for them. We blessed them as they blessed us. We looked for every opportunity to bless our disciple as they were blessing us. But you know what? Every Sunday after church, we packed their stuff. We drove it to their house. Banana bread. Uh, she, had, she made a famous banana bread that we just loved. And what was the other one? Uh, she, she, like, I'd never eaten these things at home. Zucchini. Zucchini cake. Oh, you've been to Pastor B's house. Zucchini cake. And she made those things. And it's like, man, our eyes were open. Kumbi, there are things like this that our mothers never, never knew how to make. But, <laughs> but you know, as we're eating those things, or oatmeal cookies, as we're eating those things, because she was a posh, posh mama. I mean, not, not like where we, like we didn't know such things. But as you're eating those things, guess what's happening? You're watching how she's relating to her husband. And you're watching how he's relating to her. And in a whole seminar on, par on parenting, on marriage, I'm just getting them, just watching them, just hanging out with them. And today, many people have told me, when they've met me, they've said, you know what, when I hear you talk, I, I, I see Bishop Oscar. And some people have said, man, your kids are amazing. How come Bishop, they're like Bishop Oscar's kids. And I'm like, it's not a coincidence. Because everything I do, I learned from him. Everything I do, I learned from him. And I remember we're in a situation where Pastor James was saying how, I think it was, was it you giving this example how they have such amazing kids. By the way, they have, they have amazing kids. No question. Their kids are just incredible. 
uh, and he was talking about how, I think it was in Mombasa, where you're talking about how they're sharing with their disciples, with the people they're discipling, how to bring up their kids. And when their kids, when they point out to their kids, they say, look at how Kina Pastor M's kids are. That's how our kids are. Because they, as a young couple, being mentored by us, not even a young couple, even you guys are not even a couple when we started mentoring you. So even them, just being in our home, learned by watching us how to bring up their children in the, in the way of the Lord. So guess what? There are three generations of parenting in this church. Pastor Oscar blessed us. We brought up our kids the way we saw him bring them up without a manual. And then we passed it on, what we were learning to them. They're doing it. And now they're passing it on to their disciples. And this is what discipleship was meant to be. It's not dividing life. It's doing life together. Have I helped somebody in the house today? So, so this thing, let me just tell you, it's going to be so revolutionary because in your life you've got several sectors. You've got different things. You've got your spiritual life. Um, and in your spiritual life, you can actually bring your world together. You, are you going for a farm? I, I said, I gave this example. You're going to a worship night? Take your kids with you. Let them learn to worship. If they're younger, you can take some coloring things, make sure they sit on the floor somewhere uh, when they get tired. But bring them enough so that they begin to understand, oh my goodness, this is what happens when the Holy Spirit shows up. This is what happens when people sing. They're going to get used to it. Maybe they're not used to you doing it this way, but they're going to get used to it. And then you can talk about it. Why are people praying loudly, Daddy? <laughs> Great example. Funny, Jesus is deaf. Let me explain to you. <laughs> Kids ask the best questions, and that's an opportunity for discipleship. Every answer you're giving, you're discipling your children. Uh, are, you doing, are you reading through the Bible? Read it with them. This coming year, as we read through the Bible, create a plan for your family. Read it with your kids. Uh, are you planning to visit a children's home as a discipleship group? Take your kids in the group along with you. They can also, especially, they can actually end up becoming a real asset to your group. Uh, kids have a way they serve uh, when you take them in a place like that. And you're also teaching them not to live for themselves and not to be entitled. You're teaching them there are people who are poorer that we, that we look after. Are you doing the 21-day fast? Start to teach your kids how to fast. Our pastor friend told us she just chappered her kids into, we don't eat. Because <laughs> in Ramadan, that's what happens to Muslim kids. They just thought you don't eat until night. So the kids just learn from a very early age. By three years, by three years old, you're fasting for Ramadan. And she said, you know, kids, let me just tell you, we have 15-year-olds who have never known what fasting is because we think of them as babies. And it's because we don't understand that these are actually powerful creatures, people made in the image of God that can chase demons, but we're denying them the opportunity. So fast with your kids, even if it's just telling them we're only going to miss breakfast for the first one, and then we can have lunch after that. Start teaching them because we're all fasting in the house. That's how they begin to be enfolded in your spiritual life. Um, if your disciples are coming, get, get, get your kids to serve them so that they can be known by your disciples and become part of that community. Relational space is your second, another space in your life, another category we tend to separate. In your relationships, are you visiting your parents or hosting guests at home? Invite your disciples to come and help you. Are you cooking for your family, taking your kids to see the doctor? That's a great opportunity to bring a disciple along with you. Let them come. They'll get to know your doctor, but also they're going to understand how kids are taken to doctors. <laughs> so they can decide whether they want kids. Are you, <laughs> ask, ask them for help. Ask your disciples for help. When they visit, don't send your kids away. Get them involved in the conversation. Teach your kids how to listen to the great, people, great stories. Just ask them questions about, so tell my kids what you do. And ask, in fact, train your kids on how to ask those questions. And then get them to sit around the table and ask the questions. So tell, how does it, what, what, what do pilots do? How do you drive a plane? Like, there are so many things your kids will learn just by learning to ask questions. Many times we don't teach our kids this. And so our kids miss out on all the amazing people walking through our door when we're discipling. Teach your kids to like people. 
By the way, that's one of the things I always tell people. Don't tolerate your kids being shy. Shyness is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Never was. Never was. It was not accepted in our house. Uh, you couldn't be shy. We, we, you, had to talk, you had to learn to greet people and greet them well and smile at them and ask them what you can serve them. That is a basic, basic element of African culture that we've lost. It's not un unusual to go into someone's house and a kid just because you're like, yeah. And say, oh, she's tired. She's just tired. No, no, no. I'm, by the way, I'm not hating. Please, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm discipling. <laughs> yeah? And, and I'll tell this to my own children. I, I, by the way, we have this conversation with my kids. If your grandchild pulls me that one, I'm not going to ask you permission. I will sort them out right there, the way I sorted you out. So you sort out your kids before I come to your house. But you know what? It's just teaching them. No, no, no. That's actually a life-limiting move. You're actually hurting your career. You're going to hurt your career. You're going to hurt your life. You're going to hurt your ministry if you don't like to love to serve and, 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 and love people. So teach them when people come, this is what we do. Come and help mommy serve the guests. And then as they're growing older, ask, let's ask the guests questions. Your, relate, your relationship is being drawn into your ministry. Physical. Do you work out regularly or eat healthily? Invite your disciples with you. Are you getting it now? Are you beginning to understand now? Invite them to do it with you. Um, I think these disciples of mine, they exercise. We need to check on them. But I remember, I remember getting them the gadget that I, 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 that I used to exercise. And some of them got it. But anyway, we shall revisit. Uh, do you have a hobby you enjoy? Invite your disciples to do it with you. You like running. Uh, you like biking. Teach them. You know, it's, you're, you're broadening their world. Uh, or do it separately but hold each other accountable. I mean, it's a way to just inc inc uh, get people to enjoy what you're doing together. Uh, intellectually is another space that we sometimes keep separate from our discipleship and our ministry. Are you reading a book? Are you taking a class? Get them to read it with you. Get them, invite people into a class and do it together with them. Uh, my wife is doing a class on, she, she, she's an aspiring herbalist. By the way, if, if not, if, I don't even understand. I think our education system is a mess because if, if it worked, my wife would be a doctor. Uh, she is so passionate about treating and healing. But our education system has... Medicine is not about passion. It's about cramming. <laughs> anyway, that's just my beef with our education system as it was in our time. But she's so gifted at it. And so she's doing a class on, on hubs and healing. And she invited one or two of her disciples to do the class with her. Because it's like as we do it together, we learn together. And guess what? We grow together. And we're just putting more and more connections in our lives. I'm discipling you, helping you to become like me as I become like Christ. Uh, are you listening to a good podcast? Amen. Your disciples should also be listening. They should know your passion, and then you can say, hey, guys, can we listen to this this week and then just talk about it when we, when we hang out? Uh, invite them to do those things. Uh, financial is another space that is often very separate. Don't allow finances to be separate. Uh, Jesus taught about money all the time. Teach your disciples about the things you do. Are you, are you saving money? Are you, have you gotten out of debt? Discuss it with your disciples. Share your stories. Keep it personal. My, my disciples have actually seen our spreadsheet. <laughs> They've seen the numbers. In fact, some of them didn't want to look because their parents never... It's like looking at someone, what someone earns and how... Huh? I'm like, no, look. Fungua macho. one. It's like they don't want to see because it's like, it's like watching... It's like seeing your father's bank account. I don't want to see. I'm like, no, you have to see because I want them to see. I want them to learn. How else will they learn? Teach your disciples. Be open and vulnerable with them about your finances. Are you, are you, are you trying to pay off your debt? Include them. Let them see what you're doing and the steps you're taking. They might even have ideas for you that will be helpful. 
But guess what? You're teaching them the values that you're doing. Are you sending a gift to your pastor or to your parents? Let them know this. In fact, when you go to visit your parents, take them with you and honor your parents in front of them. Let, let them see these things. Because what are you doing? You're teaching them about honor. You're teaching them about finances and stewardship. Let them know what you're doing and hold each other accountable. So rather than adding things to your life, let discipleship, let, <laughs> let invite your disciples into the things you're already doing. That's what I'm trying to say. Make discipleship about the things you're already doing. Let the season of your life determine how you will engage with your disciples. I love that Fred got Bob to come into his business. That's discipleship. Some people would have been like, he ni kazi, he ni church. We're here for church. But no, he's like, hey, you've got this interest. Hey, this is what I'm doing. Let's talk about it. And eventually he's a COO. Come on, somebody. That's discipleship. It's like you're opening up the space and you're saying, like, why wouldn't I, if I had a company and you're my son, why would I get you into that company? Let's do this together. Uh, creating opportunities. So family on mission should empower you by teaching you how to live a focused and integrated life. And as you move forward in mission as a pack with your extended family, because that's what happens. Now we're becoming a pack. That's Jesus. Where you saw Jesus, you saw the disciples. It's like when he was doing an errand, he went with them. When you're doing something, they're always there. It's like we move as a pack. We're, not, we're a family on mission. And we're all enriched by serving together. And this is not just for couples with children. It's for single parents. It's for divorced people. It's for couples with no kids. It's for empty nesters. It's for teenagers. It's for college students. Whatever season you are in your life, you can actually have a family on mission. You can actually do mission with the people that God has called you to disciple. I believe that as you do this, you will not burn out. You will not burn out. My wife and I have been in ministry for 30 plus years. We're still going strong. We still love the Lord. We want to serve him all our lives until we are old. We don't want to rest because we are burnt out. We want to rest because God has given us the principle of rest as part of our rhythm of life. So we don't work to rest. We rest. We, we work from rest. And rest is one of the things we even invite our disciples into. And so we want to commend this way of life to you. By the way, should you practice this? And we're going to talk a, bit, a lot about family and mission this coming year. It's going to be one of the things that I really believe God wants us to engage in. I believe that God wants to see fruitful and joyful families. Imagine your family all loving God. Like everybody, like, like the, for those of you who are married, imagine your marriage becoming such a powerful place that just serves God together. Imagine people walking into your home and saying, this is so amazing. My goodness, I want to be with these people. Imagine that becoming the, the, the thing in your life, that everything about you is just a, it's just a blessing to people around you. And imagine that you're never exhausted because you love doing what you're doing and you're just inviting people to do it with you. This, my friends, is going to be the thing that will save your lives. Oh, come on, somebody. Amen. Yeah, You're in ministry. This is going to be the tool that will save your life. It not only save your life, it will give you a joyful marriage because you will serve God together and love God together. Uh, this thing is going to actually revolutionize us this year because we're going to get opportunities to practice it. And as you practice it, I believe that the Lord is going to just turn around, turn around our families, our churches to become families on mission. So the first one is what? The first one, the bad one that we said we don't want to do. The second one that we said is okay, but it's not what we want to do either. And the third one that we're saying, this is us. Come on. This is what's going to happen in our homes going forward. And, yeah, amen, amen. So I want to just to do a sec, just one second before we conclude for, and I can see it's lunch already. Like time just runs in a, 
Like, it's like, I need to be like Joshua and just say, son, stand still. I have to teach God's people. Come on. Like, the day just rushes. I can't believe it. I want us to just take a few minutes before we break for lunch and have a little conversation. What do you sense God is saying to you? Because I want us to make sure nobody's left behind. Whatever situation you're in, what do you sense God is saying to you in this talk? So if we just stand around our seats for a second and just have that conversation with our friends. What do you sense God is saying to you and what will you do about it? And what will you do about it? We'll be breaking for lunch in just a few minutes, so let's just have the conversation, then we can take our lunch break. Check. I can see my volunteers have the mics. Are the guys are there guys with mics? Awesome. You have one? I see a, you have a mic? Oh you don't. Sound team, we have some mics for feedback. There's one at the front. Just want to make sure we have a few more. There's one here? Oh, fantastic. Okay. Make sure everybody's getting a chance to share because we're going to also get a bit of feedback. Okay. 
Let's conclude that thought. So we can sort of get a bit of a opportunity for feedback. Okay, we're going to hear some feedback. Um, somebody tell your neighbor, shh. All right, let me, hear, let me see a few hands of just people like, yeah, what is something that really struck you in this session or you've had your, someone say next to you? Uh, we can start this. I can see a mic for Pastor Kilonzi here. Yeah, there's a mic there for Martin, Pastor Martin. Uh, all right, let's start with Pastor Kilonzi. All right, guys, listening. So, so what I want to share is, by and large, our family with Faith and Sean is sort of on, on mission as far as church is concerned. But I've realized that there's a misalignment when it comes to now the spiritual side of the family. So there are some things you do with us that I haven't passed on to my team. Yeah. And so they, so, so it's, so on not the biological family side, okay. but the spiritual family side. So you do some things with us that I haven't done with my team, with my, with my disciples in the ministry. And so because of that, they haven't done with their disciples in the ministry. And so I find that the alignment is not just from your, you know, like biological family with the spiritual family, but it's also within the spiritual family wow. line. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And I realize that some things they are lacking but it's not because I don't have them. It's because I haven't passed, passed on. on. Yeah. Wow. That's really powerful. And yeah, it's, uh, it's powerful. <laughs> you have a fan somewhere. So thank you, Pastor Kilonzi. Uh, let's hear Pastor Martin. Oh, who? Pastor? Oh, okay. All right. Just a sec. Pastor Angie has spoken, so we must listen. Um, I belong to a CJ, a Nini Adiji led by Pastor CJ. <laughs> and uh, Pastor CJ has been so generous with us, and um, he wants to teach us about finances. About finances? Yes. Nice. He has a whole course laid out for us. <laughs> wow. So um, what uh, that is telling me is that I need to listen, I need to pay attention, and um, that's what I'm going to carry through if I'm going to, oh, when I'm going to have my DG. Amen. Yes. I love it. And I think there's a theme between you and Pastor Kilonzi, because what you're saying is you also listen for your children. So when you're listening to a spiritual impartation, it's like you want to make sure your kids got it. So that means your conversation then needs to be, did you get what I got? Uh, to make sure that you never, ever leave people behind. So I love that. Uh, Martin over here, and then Pastor Carol as well after that. And then I think we've got some people on this side. Yeah. Uh, hi. Hi. 
Hi, Pastor Martin. So, my name is uh, Martin Gushu. And I'm fortunate to lead a DG called Sons and Daughters. So, what I'm sensing God is saying is, this is very practical to me because I've been brought up in church. Um, a pastor's kid. And my dad was an elder, was an elder and I've gone through all these stages, but then these things were in silos. So church was separate, and family time was separate, and part of our growing up, or the larger part of the adult bit, is that I also resented the, the church bit because I felt it took away from, from us the time that my parents would take in church. So I used to feel that Sundays, is, Sundays were meant for family, but they'd spend the entire day in church and I thought that if this ministry is really taking away my folks then uh, should I really get into it but interestingly now what I'm hearing you say is that it needs to be part it needs to be embedded in in the physical in the spiritual in the social in all aspects of life like I need to do life together with my children that is spiritual and also uh, my son as well as involve them in my daily activity with them so that it does not wear me out, does yeah. not wear myself and my wife out, but we get to do it and to grow together as a family. Amen. So I've really loved that. What will I do about it? To share. I'm taking notes. Exactly what I'm hearing you say, I'm going to translate it to my DG, especially just to the members who are not here. Amen. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Come on, Martin. Wow, hi everyone, great to see you all. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think uh, for me, as I was listening to this, uh, there's something that came to mind, there's something that I remembered, um, and it's about being family on mission. And I think it's one of the things that um, we are really just thankful to God for. So one of my kids, I won't say who, went to a certain college and um, it, it was a little bit, you know when you go to a college, you're new, isn't it? Huh? You don't have friends, it can be intimidating, it's a big college, you just come from a very, you know, a, a more manageable a high school where you knew everybody, so you go into a new space and it can be very intimidating. Uh, but then I think what we decided was to say, when you go there, make friends, and when you make friends, bring them home. So I remember this one time she had this. Oops. <laughs> anyway, I've got two daughters, so you don't know which one. <laughs> You're not right Oh my goodness! I tell you, people are. Anyway, so 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 I remember. So so they forget about the she brought their friends home, and uh, they were saved friends and also unsaved friends. And I remember, um, in fact, it was their birth, her birthday. And, um, and, uh, and so what we did, we decided that we're going to host this birthday together. We're going to um, love on her friends together. And we're going to witness to her friends together. So what I did is that I called my sisters, um, uh, my sister and also uh, Motahi's wife, who's also my sister. We gave them a girl talk and open, shared very openly about life in campus we shared the things that we regretted about being in campus and the things and the things to expect because they were all new 
And then after that, uh, you know, they watch the movie. I don't know how long they watch at night. And then in the morning, um, the, the daddy made pancakes for them, made whatever for them, and then played, yeah. And then played uh, cards uh, with them. I, I'm not the playing kind, but anyway, he played cards with them. But I remember this one girl who had been so skeptical and very cynical about Christians and about Christian homes because she has never grown up in a Christian home. And she said, your family is fun. And, 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 um, yeah, and, and, she's, and she was like, I want to come and visit your family because that's not the experience in her family. And we realized that as we did this as a family, then it even gave uh, our daughter the, the courage and the boldness to share her faith now among her friends because they have come, they have seen, and now she's able to even share more freely at, her, at, at, at school. So I thank God for this family on mission. Thank you. So in other words, you're not separating your family. It's like every stage, we are a family together. We do mission. We love God together. And you know what? It doesn't hurt your family. It actually builds closer relationships. And so thank you for sharing that, Pastor Carl. Somebody on this side. Come on, Pastor Rocky. Hey, family. It's great to be here among you guys. So for those who do not know me, my name is Rocky, and I am... <laughs> I can I can hardly hear what some people are saying, but anyway, uh, I I am I am one I am the leader of one of the newest DGs in the Mavuno movement for Mavuno Lavington, and we're excited hey. about that. Well, uh, my 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 takeaway from this was uh, I definitely saw my family and I have been doing ministry from the very beginning. But we realized that we've been doing um, a ministry in the way of um, family and mission. It, it, it was divided. It, there was boundaries. And um, uh, light bulbs just were popping up all over the place as Pastor was talking. And I got to see how uh, we would serve our people better by having things integrated. And so uh, I see discipleship demystified. Uh, we used to be really bothered by what content would pass acro across to our people. And so we'd give the theological content and then people would be sticking around, you know, just hanging around the house with nothing to say. But now we know how to invite them into the kitchen, yeah. how to invite them into where we change our babies' nappies because guys don't know how to do that. And so we can do so much discipleship by integrating uh, everything about our lives and, and our interaction with our uh, discipleship group. So... Uh, that was that. That's that's what I took. That's what we're taking home uh, from today, and it's amazing. I Thank you it. very much. Thank you, Pastor Rocky. All right. All right. There's somebody there. Yeah, Philip. Yeah. Uh, my name is Philip. I just wanted to add something on it. Uh, what we are learning in our space is that vulnerability leads to oneness. Yeah. Uh, the moment we open up to one another, we can, able to, we can be able to speak into each other's life. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Simple, <laughs> to the point. Yeah. Okay, sure, sh sh Pastor Jace is yeah. going to just touch, add, add. All right. Yeah. Uh, just, so just a, a short story. A few weeks ago, uh, we were hosting the uh, leadership boot camp guys from Hill City at our house. 
at our house and we had a conversation about church planting and you know how you don't even notice your kids so our firstborn was I was there he turned 10 in September and we had you know this conversation that I thought was very deep uh, I, I, I wouldn't presume that you know a 10 year old is following we're talking about why is it that we are passionate about planting churches and you know why do we want to be everywhere why not say okay this church go and plant on this side and this church go and plant on this and we had you know a meaningful conversation in my opinion and at the end of it my son walked up to me and he said i hadn't even noticed him but he came and said one day i'm gonna teach people all the things you've just said and i was like uh <laughs> i was like uh okay okay uh that's good and then i think it was the following week um I was about to travel uh, for one of the gatherings. I've had quite a bit of trouble the last two months. And so our firstborn is 10, secondborn eight, uh, lastborn is six. And so, you know, we have this thing where, okay, when one of us is leaving, they're like, oh, why do you have to travel again? And so I said, oh, um, you know, you, you know, we had, I had talked to them about it at the beginning. And I'd say to them, you know, I lead Mavuno Hill City, but I also lead the Hill City Network, uh, which is a network with uh, several churches under them and under it. And so when there's a gathering, I have to visit the churches that are under me. So in the course of the week, that conversation had happened on a Saturday. In the course of the week, um, I, I, was, I, I was traveling, and I remember, I think we were going for the gathering in Mavuno, Mombasa. And so I said, okay, so I'm going to Mombasa. And they're like, oh, why are you going? And so he says to me, uh, our firstborn, his name is Jabali. So he says, ah, okay, okay, because you, you lead nine churches, right? And I told him, yes. And so when there's something important happening, I need to travel. And then he said to me, so dad, if you're a pastor till you're like 80, uh, you're, going to, you're going to be leading like 2,000 churches. <laughs> uh, and I said to him, <laughs> and I said to him, yes, but even before I'm 80, there are going to be 2,000 churches. Um, and then... You know, I had told him a theory I had, uh, we, you know, we had Bishop Oscar talk about called, uh, uh, just about rapid church planting, uh, called, you know, rabbits versus rhinos. You plant small communities that then grow and become big, big influential churches. That's a conversation I had had with the boot camp class. And he said to me, yeah, they're going to be a thousand because you're planting rabbits, not rhinos. And, and so it hit me. He, he didn't just hear the things I was saying but that he had understood them fully. He had understood that we are about planting churches. He had understood that, you know, I desire to plant many churches. And he could even say, so if, if you stay at this thing that you're doing, you'll be leading 2,000 churches by the time that you're older. Uh, so uh, I, I stood to say, you know, uh, Pastor Caro and Pastor M's testimony is great of their kids who we see here, and some of us know them. Uh, but even for those of you with younger kids, it's easy for us to presume they, 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 they are too young or they don't get it. Uh, for us, what we've learned is we treat them like they get it. So I tell them, look, it's my work. I lead several churches, and so I'm, I'm, I'm visiting. I'm, I'm, I'm traveling to visit the churches, and they connect with that, and they understand what we are doing, uh, and, they, and they appreciate it. We've done a visitation with them. We've done a full Saturday of visitation uh, where we went from one home to another to another. And it was just because we're like, okay, we want to hang out with you guys. It's Saturday, but we need to do visitation at the same time. And at the end of the day, we say to them, so did you guys have fun or do we want to leave you or do we leave you home next time? And it's because, you know, we don't want them to resent ministry um, like you're talking about. And they said, no, 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 no. Uh, we want to do it again. So what I'm going to change, I shared with my group, 
uh, is for this gathering, I, I negotiated with them, I asked them, you know, do you want to come? What time do you want to come? And I realized that what I need to change uh, is next time, uh, probably for the February gathering on the Saturday when they're not in school. I'll just tell them, come and attend the gathering for the whole day. Uh, this time we kind of, I made it a negotiation, what time do you want to come and so on. Again, I've been anxious about forcing it. So I've realized my error there because like now we have a birthday in the estate and so we've been chatting on text for what time do you want to come? And of course, cake is cut in the afternoon. And so I was afraid of being ghosted uh, because they'd said they'll come. We really want them to come here for sure because you've been teaching us this stuff, Pastor M. Um, and so I said to them also, but you guys, so, so you guys are gonna miss cake cutting if you come in the afternoon instead of in the morning. And they actually said, no, it's okay. We are happy to miss the cake cutting, so. Wow, that is so powerful. All right, we've got Pastor CJ, and then I'd like to hear from somebody who doesn't have kids. Oh, so sorry, sorry. All right, we'll, Pastor CJ, then we can have one or two people from that end. Okay. okay. Thank you, Bishop. No, Father, please allow me to speak before you do. Okay. Kindly. Um, so, Pastor CJ, my name is Maureen. I'm in uh, Mavuno Wayakiwe, and Pastor CJ is the, our DG leader. And I wanted to speak before he does because he might feel shy after I do. <laughs> and I would not want him to feel shy. Uh, Pastor CJ has been leading our DG. And since I joined that DG, um, I was supposed to be leading my own DG. But a few things happened that did not allow me to continue. And so Pastor CJ became our leader of the DG. And I'm so glad that maybe I did not lead a DG then because I would not have learned what I have now. Um, so Pastor CJ, as our DG leader, number one, personally did financial management classes for me because I was doing very bad financially. And as part of that, when I was in deep debt, Pastor CJ and Rogoro, the wife, um, they sat me down and told me that the place that I am, they advised me financially on how to move forward, which included me not living alone anymore and moving in with them. So these are people I have met last year. On top of that, uh, they, I, I was very skeptical at the beginning because they have three children. And I have lived alone for maybe 10 years. And I was feeling, hey, oh, a total on these children. <laughs> They might not be the best decision. I might not like, I don't like children like that. This, I still have someone's child and I'm in the house and I don't have rent of my own. So I was very skeptical going in, but I can tell you for free that it has been the best decision because I have been mentored in marriage. I have watched them in love with each other and living with each other. I have been mentored in family. They have rituals in their home that I did not know could be done in a family. Like hugging. Njoki is in Adiginos. These people hug. These people hug. Like they hug. Where I'm from, I'm from Mashariki's area. We don't hug like that. Why? 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 How? We don't hug like that. Then these people, you enter the house like this and an army of children is racing. Who will hug you first? And one of them is confident enough to say, I love hugs and kisses, please hug me. Aww. That was very different for me. The other thing is praying in the evening. 
I didn't grow up with such rituals. This family prays. We have prayers. We do, and everyone is asked, "Can do you want to pray? Do you want to pray?" They volunteer, and then there are prayers that we say together after the prayers that we've done. Those are rituals that I never had. And the third thing that I learned that from this family, it's just been so beautiful, guys, um, is that when someone is in need, Roboro uh, and CJ, they hustle who will get to the person in need first. So I remember watching them when one of their friends had lost her wife, and they were making calls to each other, and they're like, yo, where are you? Could you please rush there? Because I'm in a meeting. I'll, I'll get there. And it was so interesting to see them as a family, to see them raising children. And I feel like I will be, I'm such a different person just because these are the people who have discipled me. And I'll disciple differently. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Now you can talk, Father. Thank you. Wow. That's a great testimony. So, CJ, now you can talk. I'm, I'm not even sure if I had to say what I had to say. <laughs> and thank you, thank you so much, Maureen, for farming, uh, for farming me and farming us as a family. And um, I think having you in our house has led us to really appreciate this journey. Um, having an 11-year-old, just turned 11, uh, like I say, she's going on 21 or 22, um, six-year-old who's really 16, and a four-year-old who's really 14. Um, and then suddenly being Angushiwa, a 20-something-year-old who's going on that F5. Anyway, um, this journey has been difficult. And having grown up in the church, and I was just sharing with the guys we came with today, um, having grown up in a church of ministry, in a home of ministry, sorry, where my dad was a minister and it was um, ministry of family. Um, I've done the ministry of family, family of ministry. I've done the family and ministry. And as we come to the end of this year, it's been difficult because it didn't always feel like it was working. And so to hear Maureen, it's interesting that she insisted on speaking first because that has kind of affirmed me that even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it's working, there's something happening. Um, I was just telling the two wonderful ladies, Immaculate and Catherine, um, and Esther and Dutai, I and Esther were feeling a bit attacked today because it feels like this gathering was for us. Everything you're saying on stage is what God has been talking to us about, to me especially. Um, forget the numbers. Love the people. The numbers will come. Forget the... Forget that they seem ungrateful and unappreciative. Forget that they don't look like they're, figured, like they're figuring it out. Wow. Just do what I've called you to do. And so what you've given us in the first session and this, and can't wait for the next session, is really valuable for me. Thank you. Love you, CJ. Well done. Yeah. Amen. Wow. So good. All right. I think we're going to take two more from this side. Uh, 
Just allow me, allow me, because I'd, I'd promise them. Allow me. So just allow me to take from that side, because these guys have been neglected for a while. And we're feeling you, by the way. We're feeling you. No offense. Thank you. Thank you. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Frederick. Uh, I present Mavuno Rongai. Come on. <laughs> and also a member of uh, Hope Holders DG. Yeah. So what we've learned is that uh, most of us have been doing family and mission most of our lives. Where for me, before I came to Mavuno, it was always, Sunday was my mission. After Sunday, it's all my life, nothing yeah. to do with church. So what you've seen, God is saying that family on mission is the best. And uh, I must say, yesterday, I had the pleasure, my wife and I, of being on a mission as a family, where we managed to disciple to some people while going for dinner. And it was such a fulfilling experience that we did with my wife. It was so satisfying. Yeah. We were so excited like kids when we were going back home discussing it. And uh, while we were discussing in the group, something came up whereby you know you're supposed to be family on a mission. So we felt strongly we could ask some advice from you. What do you do when one of the members is not willing to be on a mission with you? Yeah. What do you do about that challenge? Because you are willing as a person, maybe the children are willing to, but one of your members yeah. is not willing to join on the mission. One of the, one of the couples. One of the couples, yeah. yeah. What can yeah. you do? Because uh, yeah. it came up in the group and we felt very strongly we could speak some others about that because it's something someone is going through right now. Amen. Yeah. It's a great question. But first of all, I'm excited for you that you're discovering the fulfillment of serving God together. Let me tell you guys, love is not a feeling. Amen. Feelings go quickly. The thing that will keep you together is purpose and the fulfillment of, of winning together. And that's what ministry gives you. When you, when you start, that, what he's experiencing it's a powerful thing for any married couple to experience where you both love the same thing and you're winning in it together. That'll keep you going until, you're in your, until you die. <laughs> it's such a powerful thing. My wife and I, we're in ministry the whole day together. We get home, we still have stories for each other. Like we never run out of things to say. Just because we have so much in common, our worlds are like this because we're serving God together. So I love the fact that you're experiencing that. And the thing for me is that still family on mission still applies in that case. Because if you're a member of my DG and your spouse is not saved, what we're going to do as a DG is we're all going to become aware of that. It's going to become our thing together. We're going to include that person as much as we can. Uh, and I've seen many groups, by the way, in Mavuno doing this. There's a husband who wasn't interested at all, but be like, come have DG in our place. And when they come, they bring gifts to the home. They make sure that they, if he's there, they include him. They befriend him. They find out how they can pray for him. If they have a plot, they are going to make sure, please, they leave a, they leave a, please, I want you to come for this one. It's just to hang out with us. And what happens is you just love somebody into the kingdom as a family. So even the DG is a family on mission. And I know that that's a story of Pastor Albu, who I talked about earlier. He was the unsaved member of our DG because his wife was one of our pastors. And so she was in our team, uh, Pastor Sheila. But the man wasn't a believer, but we loved him. What? <laughs> we love the man. And I still remember, I'll never forget, Bishop Abu, I hope I'm, uh, this story is just, this is my favorite story from this year, I think. Do you have a better story than this one? Like, there's no better story. I still remember that we were here in a gathering. I think it was February. Was it February? Was it November? Last year, November. 
the first guy a year ago. And this man, when we made the altar call for who will receive Jesus, Pastor Albu finally put up his hand. Like my whole discipleship group was in tears. Like we were all weeping. None of us had dry eyes because we had prayed so much with Pastor Sheila. But you know what? He was never a project. He was part of us. Like we included him. Wherever he was willing, we pulled him in and we just loved on him. And now he's like, man, he's one of the most, he's such a valuable man. I mean, we love him with all our hearts. And so this is, this is, this is, is that an answer for you? It's like family on mission is not just within your biological family. It's within your DG as well. It's like, let's love the family together. Let's love each other's family. When there's somebody who's not aligned, we're going to align them through our love. The Bible says they will know you're my disciples because of your love for one another. And so that's really how you begin to align uh, the, the, your family to be on mission. All right, we've got maybe one. Let's, let's okay, two more from the, the yellows. Just affirmative action because we ignored you. Let's go for the lady first and then the gentleman. Yeah. And then we do need to go and eat. Eh? By the way, after we come back, we're doing testimony. So if you have been feeling you have to talk, don't worry. That's what we're coming back for. So, so Pastor B, relax too. Talk with the afternoon. Okay. <laughs> he said there's no room for shyness. Okay. There's no shyness in the kingdom of God. It's not a gift <laughs> of the Spirit. Okay, personally, everyone is speaking on family mission. Okay. I will say I have not had the experience of family, I have not had the experience of mission. Yeah. But I guess it's because I'm one person who keeps to myself. No matter what, anything that goes on, I'm of the mentality that no one cares. Everyone has his or her own issues. So sort yourself, die with it inside. Yeah. So when I joined the Mavuno South, so the first Sunday, the first Sunday, Okay, after service, okay, my boyfriend, okay, is the one who took me there. So after service, I see them, they're going to Pastor Angie's place. So I'm like, what are, what are, where are people going? Where are people going? I'm like, ah, this is weird. So they reach, I see them, they are, they are, okay, they're interactive, everyone is, they're just doing their thing, they eat, and I'm like, okay, people do this. <laughs> like, okay, it's not that I've never seen it, but I've never been part of one because my elder brother used to bring his friends, they do their stuff, but he, I was never involved. It was yeah. go and play, or after you're done having them, just you just gitch, we'll yeah. do our thing, and then we go. So after that, I'm like, hi. So that's the first time. I don't tell him that it's weird for me or it's nini. I'm just like, it's cool. I'm okay. And then we go back the second Sunday. I'm like, ah, this is, this is now beginning to get more. And then I'm like... It sounds like a cult. Yeah. The pastor's house again. I'm like, why can't people just, after church, just go home? Be, be you, do your thing. So after some time, I'm like, it's, it's like an addiction. So the next Sunday... I find myself waiting for him to tell me we are going. <laughs> I'm like, hi, Queen is not telling me we are going to Pastor Angie's place. And then he says, this Sunday, I think she has traveled or stuff. We'll go the other Sunday. I'm like, okay, it's a fika. So I find it's more fun. So. Recently, a friend of mine here, Devi, he, de he decided to begin a DG. Funny enough, <laughs> he, 
he included me and I was like, okay. So there's people who think I exist. Wow. I can, I can wow. be included in such things. I'm like, okay, this is fun. And then they plan, you know, they're going to meet, they take pizza for them to know each other. I'm like, eh. okay, I'll give it a try. We go, we meet, people are open, people are, hey. They don't know for me, it's weird. I know how to blend in with people, so I'll just pretend, okay. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm in for the experience. I want to know. I want to know what happens. And personally, say, it's nice. It's a good experience. It's something I think if I would have known or if people from my family would have exposed me to earlier, I think I will be at a bit. I'm not saying I'm at a bad place, but I think I will be. At a, I will stop thinking that people should be for themselves, they should face their problem themselves, that we were brought into this world by ourselves. Because personally, I don't even open up to my siblings. Because wow. that's how we have grown. They do their thing, I do my thing. There's no one to ask me, will you do this? You yeah. want this? I'm a, in, if you want any advice in life, because I think this, even my elder brother stopped asking me such questions. I don't know when I was in class. Was he got married and he changed? Was he has other? So it's now me, because we have never been in terms with my second brother. We are just siblings. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. wow. <laughs> oh my gosh! Thank you so much. First of all, thank you for sharing that. You're such a bold woman, and I thank God for your courage. You're a fearless influencer, and. Listen to me. God is going to give you platforms and you are going to speak in front of thousands. That's, 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 that's you. You're an amazing person. You're an amazing person. And you know what, Pastor Angie? Well done. That's family on mission. Yeah. Pastor Angie, I mean, her parents' place, because her parents like her visiting on Sundays. So her, she's like, okay, sour, I'll come, but I come with my disciples. So most of Pastor Angie's disciples know her parents' house and they've eaten her parents' food. And look at the power of that, is that people come in who don't know what family is, and that's what it means to be a spiritual parent. Uh, you're reparenting. Because our parents didn't teach us everything, and it's like in the spiritual realm, you're reparenting people. And so that is such a powerful story. I think there's one more uh, from South, and then we can go for lunch. Uh, <laughs> Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Pastor Gitonga from Mavuno Connect. Oh, Pastor Gitonga, uh, come on. I, I serve... I serve under the mighty man of God, Pastor Victor Mudembwa, and Pastor Zedi. So I, I know I'm standing between you and lunch. I won't take too much time. Yeah. I just wanted to celebrate a gentleman that I have met today uh, from Hill City Campus. He's called Jeff. He's not just a hearer of the word, he's a doer. When you started talking about family on mission, he ordered an Uber for his kids, and they're here now. Oh! Oh! What? <laughs> you know, Jesus said, I've, never, I've not seen such great faith in Israel. Ask your neighbor, what have you done since he started hearing this message? Huh? Oh, you're just taking notes. <laughs> what have you done? Huh? Wow. May God bless you and may your children be greatly blessed greatly blessed because of your obedience.
Amen. So we're going to take a break. And guys, this thing, it changes life. My brother is here. He can testify. My parents lived family. There are some things they did that were crazy. Like, all our, all, like most of our friends, once they knew your friends, they'd invite your friends home, and then they'd invite their parents home. Most of our friends got saved because of my parents. Like, they, like, they, like the, our kids were, the kids were the ones who they used. So that's the story of my in-laws. My Carol's parents actually became believers, and my mom was actually telling us that yesterday, was testifying, was it the day before? Where she was saying, we didn't know Christ when, we, when you guys met, but you know, Moray, these parents. They just love you, they embrace you, and within the year that we got married, they both came to Christ. And they've served God greatly. I mean, she said, we just accelerated in the kingdom, and we're serving God till now. I mean, imagine impacting your in-laws. Some of you, you don't have kids yet. It's hard to even imagine that. Hype says, your kids are young. Imagine that you'll impact the people who they marry. Wow. I mean, that's, that's power. That's influence. That's kingdom influence. And that's what it means. I mean, when you begin to understand that all these things are integrated. Like, it's my life, it's my family, it's my sports, it's my, my job, it's my fun, it's my children. I bring people in. Thank you so much, guys, for demonstrating that from your lives. I feel like you've, you've, you've just brought the word true into life by just explaining it through your own lives. Let's just appreciate everyone who shared. That's so powerful. So, so powerful. Amen. So we're going to take a break. And I'm going to call Pastor Onen to, um, to, 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 to release us and give us instruction so that we're back in the afternoon. Remember, we talked about the fact that revival, it's testimony and it's prayer. We're doing prayer. We're just waiting for testimony. I believe God's going to do some really powerful... Already He's begun to do some things as we're sharing, isn't it? Because we're just going to, we're going to grow in our faith in a powerful way. And then after that, we're going to talk about 2023. So keep it locked. Have your lunch, enjoy it, but don't eat too much. <laughs> uh, so we're back on time and we're able to continue uh, in the afternoon. Amen. Come on, let's appreciate Pastor M. Let's appreciate Pastor M. Thank you so much. <laughs>